we pray. Um, I've been praying all morning for just, this, just a peace to come over this room, um, a peace that some of us need, I know. Um, Lord, it, would, it was almost like it uh, covers, <laughs> covers every square inch and every person in this room that your peace would enter in. And so, Lord, we just, we just pray for that, and we open up your word now with anticipation in your name. Amen. I, I do want to say, before I get in too deep, um, how proud I am of each of you for braving this winter storm this weekend. <laughs> I went and got my generator and my six cases of water, and anyway, just thought that was interesting for you guys to be here. I thought I might be by myself with all the snow we had. Um, anyway, second week of Advent is about the peace of Jesus, as you guys know, as we've kind of introduced already, and as Corey so wonderfully um, shared with us even into the moment of of Advent this morning and really this theme of peace. And, and if you've never been a part of Advent, we just kind of take time through this season to just acknowledge that we are, we are in anticipation of the coming of Christ, and we still are. Um, and even as we celebrate and look back to the birth of Jesus, we also look ahead to what Christ is going to do in the future. And so um, I wonder how many of us in this room would admit, and this is not by a show of hands, that we are, or you are, personally feeling some level of stress or anxiety or worry or fear. Um, in other words, you would, you would say, I am experiencing a lack of peace in my life. And, when, you know, statistics show us, and I'm not going to dive into those too deeply, but I, it's pretty clear that this is a very relevant subject that so many people, um, they struggle through life with all these sorts of things that really are the opposite of peace, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a stat that over 90% of young adults, they will admit that their life is a bit over, is, is overwhelming frequently. And, and I think I get it. I think most of us get it. But I would make the case today that even the, even the Bible, the Bible, the people around Jesus, the disciples, the religious leaders and Pharisees, the, the, the crowds, they had levels of stress and anxiety and fear and worry that was coming out all the time in the Bible. And this morning, I'm really excited because we're going to kind of give a message that um, Leslie Cook knew that I was uh, preparing on peace. And, and she texted me the other day and she says, Hey, I know you're going to be talking about peace. I don't know if this would help, but um, I was just reading in Matthew 14 through 17 about all, this, all these different times that the disciples were just full of fear and full of worry, and, and Jesus, Jesus is always there just kind of like bringing peace and just never being anxious. I don't know if this would help. And I'm like, uh, well, since I don't know what I'm going to say, yeah, this is pretty great. And she keeps going on, and she gives me all these other things. I was like, you basically just gave me the sermon outline, so thank you. And... Uh, <laughs> But on a, on a real note, it's been really cool lately because God has been speaking through people and giving really good insights into even what we share here on Sundays. So with that said, if you do not like this message, it's Leslie's fault. <laughs> here we go. All right. So um, I'm going to summarize some stories. You can open your Bible to Matthew four, chapter 14, and we're going to fly through, if we can, a few different chapters about what's going on in the Bible when it comes to this idea of peace. So 
We're going to start, and these scriptures will not be on screen because there's just too many, and I, you know, I didn't want to make that many slides because you guys have Bibles. And so um, Matthew 14 is, uh, really begins with something, begins with the execution, if you will. And there's, there will be little points on the screen uh, that you can see and follow along, but it begins with the execution of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is beheaded. And all of a sudden, chaos starts to ensue a little bit. Everybody's hurting. Everybody's full of sorrow. Everybody, there's a tragic thing that has happened. And so the disciples are, of course, concerned about this. Jesus leaves, and he goes by himself to pray, which is a very important point to make. And right at the beginning of this in Matthew 14, Jesus withdraws by himself to go spend time with the Father, which is something we see time and time again Jesus doing through these stories. Jesus withdrawing to go be with the Father. And so the disciples are already engaged in um, a little bit of concern, to say the least, right? If, if John the Baptist is going to be beheaded, what does this mean for the rest of us, right? If John the Baptist is going to be killed, what is it going to be for the rest of us? So that's, that's verses 14, uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. And we keep just moving. Like I said, we're going to move quickly. Um, in verses 13 through 21... This huge crowd shows up. Huge crowd shows up and the disciples, once again, and you're going to see a really consistent theme here, the disciples get very anxious. What are we going to do? It's getting late. There's all these people. We can't feed them. And Jesus says, oh, don't worry about it. Just give them what we have. And they're like, no, no, you don't understand. All we have is two fish and five loaves of bread. And he's like, yeah, 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 just give them that. And they're like, Jesus, we can't just give them that. And he says, watch this. And so Jesus, in this moment, not anxious, not stressed, not worried, he starts to just believe and trust in God, and he starts to give them what they need. And so they're wondering, and they're anxious about having enough. Do we have enough? Do we have enough provision? Does this sound familiar? Do we, are we going to make it? Are we going to have enough? Will he provide? And then in verse 22, a new story begins. And once again, Jesus begins, and this part, he goes away to the Father to pray. Once again, he withdraws. He goes and prays. And the disciples are out on the boat. So this, this miraculous feeding of 5,000, as we read in the scripture, has just happened, and most believe is obviously more than just 5,000 people. But they go out on a boat, as they often did, and Jesus goes alone to pray. And they're out on the boat, and a storm rises, uh, kind of comes up on the, on the sea, as it often does, and there's waves, and they're terrified, and they're scared. They think they're going to die. And on, in the middle of the storm, they see something on the water. And we know these stories. These are the stories we've already actually We've already done most of these stories in this series about Jesus. But there's Jesus walking on water, but they don't know it's Jesus yet. And what do they do? They cry out in fear. So here we have fear. They're worried. They're like, and, and this so represents the storms of life that we, that we face. There's storms raging. There's waves moving. This is kind of so much imagery here for us to, to look at. And they cry out. They think they're going to die. They think they see a ghost. And Jesus says, peace, it's me. Do not be afraid. And of course, he says, you know what? In fact, if you believe, you can do what I'm doing. Peter steps out of the boat. And what happens is Peter, Peter for a moment can do exactly what Jesus is doing because he has no fear because his eyes are fixed on Jesus. And then as soon as his eyes wander and he starts looking at the waves again, right? He's looking at the waves and the waves of life, the storms of life start to, fear begins to fill him again and he begins to sink. And Jesus says, why did you fear me? Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? took his eyes off of Jesus. And then in the next chapter, chapter 15, verse 1, the Pharisees and the religious leaders are, are, are there, and as we know their storyline and who they are, they're all twisted up, and they're all anxious, and they're all upset about Jesus, and they have all these questions, and they're questioning Jesus. 
They, have, they start just peppering with questions, and Jesus begins answering them. And guess what? When he answers their questions, they get offended. Offense is one of those kind of things, too, when it comes to stress and worry and a lack of peace. If people get offended. You have a relationship with someone, and you get offended. What happens? Peace is broken, right? And until that offense is mended, there's this brokenness. So we can see brokenness inside of this relationship already between the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And, 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 and they get offended. And guess what the disciples do? They get worried about the, the Pharisees being offended. They're like, oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. They're offended. We need to do something. And Jesus said, Jesus is like, you know, it's okay. People are full of questions. Jesus isn't worried. He's been with the Father. He's walking with the Lord. He's led by the Spirit. And then in John 15, starting in verse 21, a woman shows up who's a Gentile. Everybody knows what a Gentile is, meaning she's not a Jew. She's a different race. She's a different religion, if she even has religion. But in this case, she wants Jesus. She wants Jesus, and what did the, again, it's so crazy. What do the disciples do? They're like, oh my goodness, this is a woman of a different race, Jesus. You cannot talk to her. You know, and they actually, in the Bible, it says that they urge him to send her away. And so in this story, you start to see 2,000 years ago, all sorts of divides that came up about race and differences. And there was this racial unrest. And so we can see the divides within the cultural divides, even existing in this, and it creates tension. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> the differences that people have between one another, racial tensions. And here's what the disciples do. In this story, if you're reading it, the disciples want to dismiss the opportunity that's presented to them because of the differences. But Jesus actually wants to create opportunities in order to establish peace between the differences. And so what does Jesus do? He doesn't send her away. In fact, he encourages her and says, your faith, your faith is strong. And then he goes beyond that. And he does the miraculous in her life and he heals her daughter. This is what he does. This is what Jesus does. He looks for opportunities to bring peace. And then in 15, chapter 15, verse 32, again, flying through this, right? Another crowd shows up. Lots of people there. Thousands of people again. The disciples are, how do I put this, freaking out. How do we feed these people like Jesus did? Or how do we feed these people again? And Jesus is like, hey, just chill out. And that's in the message version, apparently. And uh, he says... <laughs> Let's just give them what we have, and it'll be all good. Again, they're worried about, do we have enough? Can, can we make it? They're worried about, can we, can we do this? Jesus is like, just give them what we have. He's never anxious. He's never worried. And then in chapter 16, verse 1, we start that chapter again with the religious leaders and the Pharisees. And they're so worried about Jesus, are they not? Like, who is this guy, and is he who he says he is? Their whole world is crashing in. They are stressed, and guess what they do? They've heard about the feeding, and they go, well, show us a sign. Prove yourself, Jesus. You ever heard anybody want God to prove themselves? Prove yourself. If you're real, prove it. Show us a sign right now. Jesus said, He said, if you want, you can't seek my signs and my wonders more than you seek me. 
And, and, and this is so true in the church, isn't it? There are people that show up in the church and they want God to just show up and show off for them so they can then feel like, oh, finally, God's proved himself. And he's like, you know what? If you just want my stuff, well, then you, and you don't want me, well, I don't have any time for that. Jesus says, it's not about the signs, although we love the signs, don't we? But the signs are actually a product of the relationship. The signs are a product of a heart that hungers and thirsts for God. So there's doubts. They need proof. They need a sign. And then in verse 5 of chapter 16, the disciples get in a boat, as they often do. And they, really, they realize something. This is one of my favorite stories with the disciples. They forgot to bring bread on their trip. And they get in the boat, and they're like, Literally, who forgot the bread? That's the question. And they're worried about not having bread. Now, this is on the heels of two stories where Jesus took a few loaves of bread and fed thousands of people. And they get in a boat, 13 of them counting Jesus, and they go, we don't have any bread. What are we going to do? This is how I feel, too, when I don't have any bread in my house. Where's the bread? I need bread. I, need, I get stressed without bread. And they're stressed, right, without their bread. And again, they're worried about not having enough, are they? And then chapter 16, verses 21 through 27, Jesus begins telling the disciples of his coming death. And you can imagine the sense of fear that that brings upon the disciples. And they're overwhelmed and they're basically begging Jesus, no, don't let this happen. Peter says, never Jesus. And of course, this is the moment when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. It's a bad day whenever Jesus calls you Satan. <laughs> he says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus tells him, no, 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 this must happen. This is God's will. This is, this is, and Jesus was never anxious, was he? And they had this fear overwhelm them of change and the unknown of what the future held without Jesus there with them. Then if you flip over to chapter 17, skip down to verse 14, the disciples we talked about the story a few weeks ago. The disciples get frustrated because they can't cast out a demon. They're like, why can't we do this? Jesus wasn't there because guess where he was? He was away praying. But this time he wasn't by himself. He was praying with a small group, Peter, James, and John. I guess it was like first small group ministry or something. So he's up on a mountain praying with them, and then he comes down. It was kind of the whole transfiguration moment, kind of a big deal. Um, comes down. Disciples and the people are like, hey, we wanted these people to cast out the steam and they couldn't do it. Jesus is like, oh, you have little faith. How long do I got to be with you? Boom, bam, uh, guys, got, the demon's gone, right? Does his thing. And then they are frustrated and they don't understand. Like, why couldn't we do this? And what does Jesus say? Some things can only be done by prayer and fasting. And they're like, ah, so that's what you've been doing? You like leave and go by yourself and like do stuff and hang out? Yeah, yeah, I've been praying and fasting. And, and some things can only happen by prayer and fasting. So when you are anxious and when you are worried about life, I think there's a lot of peace in the fact of knowing that Jesus is never anxious. He's actually bringing peace and giving peace to anyone who wants to receive it. And if you skip ahead in the story and you get to the end of the Gospels, there's, there's a moment, right, where the cross comes. And can you imagine that moment? This is a... This is a, this is a this is a moment of extreme 
anxiety for the disciples. Jesus had been arrested, tragedy and chaos, and they had some sense of probably defeat and loss. And you got to think about this. Everyone is overwhelmed in this situation. What are the disciples doing? They are running and hiding. They are denying they even know the man. They are in absolute disarray. And what are the religious leaders doing? They are like causing riots. They are like hate, hate, you know, bringing up hatred and violence. And the city is in uproar because these guys are losing it. And then you go all the way down, right, to even this guy that seems removed from this whole situation. You have this Roman governor named Pilate. And you ever really read the story with Pilate? He was so distraught over the decision, decision, wasn't he? You ever had a decision that you just don't know what to do? And he was, he was wanting to rid himself of this choice, but he couldn't. And so much anxiety and stress had come over him. And what is Jesus doing through all this? Jesus silently receives the abuse. He willingly goes to the cross. And what happened right before this? Jesus was in a garden, wasn't he? And he was praying to the Father, and he said, not my will, but your will be done. And in the midst of all this chaos, Jesus knew exactly where he was going in absolute peace. So what does all this mean? I believe it equates to something, and, and, and you can, obviously it equates to anxiety, worry, fear, anger. So essentially what we're saying is this is a lack of peace that exists. And I just want to declare, and I just want to, say today, not knowing where you're at in life, but without Jesus, this is life. It just is. Without Jesus, life is full of a lot of chaos and pain and sorrow. And this is what we deal with. So back to this story, right? We're just kind of running through this story of Jesus real quick. No big deal. So the, the, the cross happens, and, um, and then what? Well, Jesus goes away, doesn't he? Jesus goes into a tomb for a few days. He's in a tomb, and presumably while he's in that tomb, he's kicking Satan's tail or something like that. And then he goes and spends time with who? The Father. And he goes and spends time with the Father. Then he comes back. Resurrection happens, right? Jesus is alive, and he puts the good back in news. It's the good news. You got it? So he comes and he appears to the disciples at this moment. And let's look, look at what he says. I do have these on screen. John 20, verse 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were, say it with me, afraid of the Jewish leaders. So they're literally behind locked doors full of fear. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them and says, Peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, why does he say it twice? Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to this list of things that we you know we've had on the screen here. And they, they, they obviously equate to a lack of peace. But Jesus shows up. He says, peace be with you. We're full of doubts. We're full of stress, anxiety. Listen to this. I know that this is not everybody in the room. There are some of you that are as cool as the other side of the pillow, right? You are, you are, 
There's no stress. You don't stress. And this isn't just about stress and anxiety. This is about having a peace that transcends all understanding. This is about the peace of Jesus that comes in us and gives us not just peace about situational things, but peace for our life. And some of us, some of us deal with this in a big way, and some of us deal with this in small ways, but every one of us have people in our life that we look at and we walk with and we talk with, that this is very relevant to them. Because when we are full of doubts and stress and anxiety and, tr and trouble, guess what we're looking at? We're looking at the waves, aren't we? When we look at tragedy and we look at doubts and we stare at them, when we look at our needs and we think, do we have enough? When we look at the fear of our future and we go, what's going to happen? When we look at all these things and we keep staring at them and we keep looking at them, guess what happens? Doubts raise up, anxiety raises up, stress raises up. All these things start to happen. And guess what doesn't happen? <laughs> what doesn't happen is peace. What doesn't happen is when we step out into the boat, right? When we keep our eyes on Jesus, he allows us to step right on top of all that stuff. When we look at Jesus in the midst of all these things, we, we do get the opportunity to be like when Peter stepped out into the storm. When he brings peace in the midst of the storms of life. This is what Jesus does. Jesus literally brings peace on earth. I want to take you back to the story of Jesus when he was born. Um, the shepherds, right? And the angel of the Lord shows up, right? Luke chapter 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Don't you love how this is just like, oh yeah, this all fits. But the angel of the Lord reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on, on earth to those whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men, right? On peace on earth, or on earth to whom, to those whom God is pleased. So let's say it this way. You can go to this next one. Maybe we could say Jesus brings peace on earth. He declares peace be with you. Jesus changes our human nature that lacks peace and breathes the spirit of God on us. If you're in a season where you are lacking peace, if you're in a season of any one of these words we've used, stress, anxiety, trouble, hardship, I just want you to know this is where humanity's been living for a long time. The Bible's full of it. And Jesus is bringing something new. Look at what it says in Philippians 4, and I'm actually 
about death. We're going to worship in just a minute. We're actually going to worship more than we usually do. That's why I'm ending a little early. Look at what he says in Philippians 4. I love this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In who? In Christ Jesus, right? So it's in Jesus that we find peace that transcends all understanding, right? So it's his breath. When he breathes the spirit on us, the peace of God can, can fall on us in a way that guides us in our hearts and minds. And here's, here's what I want to just make sure we caught. And how do we get this peace? How do we get this peace? I feel like we get it kind of like Jesus did. Because what was, what was I saying over and over again in the story? Jesus wasn't anxious. Jesus was at peace. Jesus wasn't stressed. But what was Jesus doing? He was going to the Father. He was going and praying. He was being led. And in this verse in Philippians, put that back up there and just want to keep it up there for a little bit. It says that, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So how do we get that? I think we get it kind of like Jesus did. <laughs> by prayer, by petition, Jesus continually pulled away to have time with the Lord, to pray. And when we're looking at Jesus and, we, and when we pull away and pray and we wait on the Lord, and it's like, it's like in those moments, it's like Jesus appears in our fear. Maybe we're even behind locked doors at times. And he declares, peace be with you. I love how this verse, is, it gives us not only by prayer and petition, but with gratitude in our hearts. And with the faith to ask God for what we need. And so many of us, we, when it comes to the things we're dealing with with life, I, I know this because I've talked to many people, I've felt this before, but the big, big thing, we don't feel like God can do anything about it because it's too big. We're like, oh, that's just, I don't want to pray it because I'm afraid if I pray it and he doesn't do it, then what does that say about God? Why do we make God smaller than he ever said he was? See, it says that we can pray with faith and ask for God what we need. Do, does that mean that he's going to give us everything we ask for? No, it doesn't mean that. I'm not claiming that today, but I'm saying... So many of us, we are needing peace in our life, yet we won't go to God with the very thing we need peace with. So right now, I want you to identify an area in your life where you're needing, you're needing peace. And you're like, I'm good, I'm good. And I would just say, okay, good, I'm glad you're good. Well then, if you're so good, um, 
Who's someone in your life that needs peace? Would you bow your heads with me? We're just going to pray for a little bit, and then we're going to worship. Everybody's got their heads bowed, and I just got to, I like to, you know, every occasionally ask you to respond by just a simple way. And I know today was, it's actually relatively a very straightforward message. No tricks, no gimmicks. Just the world needs peace and Jesus is peace. Maybe by just lifting your hand as a sign of responding to this question, who in here has a situation where they need they need some peace right now in their life. Would you just lift your hand if you're like, yeah, I need peace. Lift your hand. Go ahead. It's good. A lot of us, a lot of us who love Jesus, a lot of us who are doing what we can, yet still we need peace. And it's just the way life is, right? But yet there's hope. And that hope is Jesus. And I want you to go ahead in your own heart and in your own space right there. And if, if you didn't raise your hand and you don't have anybody, then maybe, like I just said, maybe there's someone in your life that just comes to your mind that you're like, they need peace. They need peace. And so you're either going to put this name and this person in the slot of this blank, or you're going to, if it's you that needs peace in some situation, you're going to put that situation or that need in the blank. And what I mean by the blank is this, I want you to de de declare the Holy Spirit to just breathe peace into that person or into that thing, okay? And I'm just gonna give you some space to do that, to ask the Spirit, would you bring peace into this storm? Would you just go ahead and do that? Would you bring peace into this stress, peace into this anxiety, peace into this question, peace into this doubt? You declare it right now? Would you say it? Would you breathe your spirit of peace? Would you breathe your peace onto that person? Let's go ahead and pray that on your own. We got to believe that Jesus cares, that Jesus sees this, and he wants to give you peace because when he came to this earth, the angel declared and said that this Messiah that we had been waiting on would bring peace on earth when the disciples sat in fear behind locked doors the first thing jesus said is peace be with you jesus wants to bring peace jesus wants to give you peace jesus isn't anxious jesus isn't afraid jesus isn't worried he there's nothing he can't handle jesus doesn't tremble the darkness does Jesus wants to bring you peace. And we gotta believe that, that he wants to give you a peace that transcends all understanding about that situation, about that fear, about that, that thing that's coming up or that future worry that you walk in. He wants to give you peace. Name that person, name that thing. There's another story in the Bible Jesus is asleep on a pillow in a boat while the storm is raging out there in the sea. 
disciples are worried and they're afraid. Like, we're gonna die. They wake Jesus up and said, don't you care? He says, oh, okay, you guys are afraid again. Stands up on the boat, looks at the storm, and he says, peace, be still. And the waves went flat and the wind ceased and calm covered the waters and the fear lifted because that's what Jesus does. He brings peace. Whatever it is that you need peace in. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer in every situation, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we worship, if you have things that you just want to come and spend time at the altar with, you can. If you want to come and pray with a prayer team person, you can. But Father, we just pray this with great hope and great gratitude. Bring your peace. May it cover this room. May it cover every person. And may it not just cover these people, but may we then leave this place and may we be givers of peace and may we be peacemakers. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand?